you're not going to get far if you're not yourself. Don't try to be like anyone else. Um, I'm still Trendy Chef, aka the Weirdo Chef. I'm always do weird food. Um, you know, people, you don't have to always prove a point. It might take that time to where you have to prove that you're the best at what you do. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it. What's up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is celebrity chef Stephen Moore, aka The Trendy Chef. His career began after graduating from the Riverside Culinary Academy at the age of 21, and shortly after graduating, he proceeded to Florence, Italy for three months to cook with executive chefs from different restaurants in the area to enhance his own creative techniques and skills. After returning back home to California, he was hired to cook at the Coachella Music Festival, which is one of the biggest music festivals held in California. During the festival, he landed the opportunity to cook for different celebrities, which many of you may know, such as pop star Becky G, rap star Kid Inc, actor Taj Mahri, and comedian, actor, and television host Jay Leno. He's the Food Network winner of Supermarket Stakeout Season 2, Episode 7, with Alex Gornichelli, Bobby Flay, and Brooke Williamson. The Trendy Chef is also known for his viral deep-fried water video on TikTok with over 1.7 million views. He's also been featured on the Shade Room's Instagram for the first ever donut glazed chicken wings topped with sprinkles. And if all of that doesn't sound cool, you got to go over to his Instagram and check out all of the crazy foods that he does, which is why I'm super excited to have him on to share the kind of behind the scenes of what it's like to be on the Food Network, how to run a catering business, and so much more. So let's go ahead and hop into the episode. All right, Gangstar Creatives, I'm super excited as always for this week's Gangstar Creative that I have on the show. We have the Trendy Chef, and he's here to drop some bombs, some values, share his story, do all the things. So thank you so much for joining me and being part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So if you could just first start off telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, who is Steven, aka the Trendy Chef, and take us on a journey of where you started and where you are today. And that, that'll take a lifetime, but I'll try to uh, get some shortcuts. <laughs> you got um, it. So it all started first, I get the question all the time, all the time, how I started cooking. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up with a single father. Um, my mom wasn't around. I had a stepmom. She came in, you know, a little later on down the line. But my dad, um, he didn't know how to cook anything. Like, literally, he's the first person I've seen microwave um, eggs and eggs in the microwave, scrambled eggs in the microwave. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so literally, it was that. And it was bologna sandwiches and hot dogs growing up. I didn't have mm-hmm. my first steak. And people always are like, what? I didn't have my first steak until I was 16 years old. And um, I actually saved up for it. I worked at Food for Less and I saved up for like two paychecks just to buy a steak. Um, that's probably my age a little bit. Um, so yeah, so that's how I kind of got started cooking. Um, I went to culinary school, uh, Riverside Culinary Academy. Um, yeah, and I graduated and the, the rest was history from there. Wow, that's so crazy. And I can't knock the the eggs in the microwave because I used to do that when I was little. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so you're, little you're little, though. He was a grown man. Well, and well, we knew some family. We had some family friends that did it, too. So obviously, I learned it from somebody. But I wouldn't sleep yeah. on them because they still tasted good. You put some cheese and some milk and you scramble uh, it up and you're good to go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he definitely don't know. He definitely don't know how to cook. He had the, uh, uh, what was it, the fish sticks. But the fish sticks was fire when you made them, like, crispy. But he just threw them in a the microwave, saw you throwing a piece of bread. <laughs> I was like, man, this is crazy. That's um, so funny. Yeah, in culinary school, that's how I got the name Trendy Chef. Um, I went to culinary school. I was one of the only in my class that didn't know how to cook anything. I didn't know how to scramble an egg. I didn't know how to make a sunny side up egg. I didn't know how to hold a knife. I was new to cooking all around. Um, so I learned, and as I became a senior, I did a competition of 1,200 people. Um, it was actually in New York, and I placed first. And when I placed, wow. I walked up to the stage, 
and I had on my chef coat, but I had on overalls with my vans and my pants legs like rolled up and I had on food socks. And everybody was like, what the hell? And it was That's like, so California. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you're a trendy ass chef, man. I was like, what? Oh, trendy chef. So that's how that whole name came about. Oh, man, that's so crazy. I mean, for somebody, usually I'm assuming majority of people who go to culinary school, they've like, you know, dabbled in the kitchen and had like an interest in it and already had some experience of some sort from like their family or friends or whatever. But for you, you just like went into culinary school with zero experience and then you go to this competition and you show out and win it and everyone's like, yeah. dang. Yeah, wow. I've gotten, I, I got the most likely to succeed award. Um, I placed first in a lot because when I went, you know, I was going, because I was on the streets, like getting in a lot of trouble, fights and, and hanging around mm -hmm. the wrong people. Um, and then my son, you know, he was going to be born like, a little bit before my 21st birthday. So I was like, I got to do something. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can't keep running the streets. So I did that and I put my all into it. Like, like everything I had, everybody else would go out. Like culinary school can be like a reality show. People are drinking, mm -hmm. partying every night. And I was hitting the books every single night. And I'm the only first and only person in the history of that school, which we've been around for about 30 years to be on the Food Network. Um, and a lot of restaurants I've been at first person to be on the Food Network not only you know of course I want I, not only was I on the Food Network but I won the show so you know I made history with that man that's so awesome and I'm definitely gonna uh, tap into that a little later on in the interview but I'm also curious to know like okay you said you your dad didn't know how to cook was that like the inspiration that made you want to go to culinary school or were you, like what was like that moment where you're like I, this is what I want to do, which is go to culinary school and learn how to cook. It was crazy because everybody, including myself, was surprised. I didn't even, I never thought about being a chef. I never thought about going to culinary school. Um, I was actually a basketball player, All-American. That's what I was doing. And I was mm. like, man, it might, being, you know, going to the NBA is like, you know, winning a lottery. You can be amazing and still not make it. So I was like, I got to mm -hmm. try, you know, something else. And I just saw an ad pop up for a culinary school on the TV. And I was like, oh, let me try that. I didn't tell any of my friends. I didn't tell my family, my dad, nothing. I just enrolled myself. Um, and they didn't even know until like midway. And it was like, what, you're in culinary school? Um, and a lot of my friends, of course, didn't understand. They wanted me to still be on the streets, acting up and mm -hmm. doing crazy stuff. And uh, it's crazy because now, and I'm actually with my class, I think it was, it was a class of like 60 people and only me and one other person actually still cooks. Everybody else works at banks and do other stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and it, it's crazy. I'll tap in on kind of how, so when I graduated, when you graduate culinary school, you think you're a chef. I told everybody, I'm not a chef yet, and they were confused. I'm, like, I'm not a chef, we're, we're just graduating culinary school. And um, so someone came up there and they offered us a, a job on a hot dog truck, which is Pink's Hot Dog, you know, super famous in LA, but she had the mm -hmm. first mobile Pink's Hot Dog. Every last person was like, no, nah, we're chefs. We're going to go to this restaurant. I'm not cooking no damn hot dogs. I was like, I'll cook hot dogs. People laughed. They was like, come on, man, you're going to cook hot dogs. So with that, I cooked hot dogs for her and the connections that she had. I cooked hot dogs on her truck at every festival, Del Mar, Orange County for like five years um, wow. and and you know not really doing none of the chef thing then one day she was like man it's been a long time you've been grinding for me and I got an opportunity for you to actually cater and I was like cater okay and she was like well I want you to cook and then we'll talk after so I, I knocked out the whole meal I catered and then she was like I have somebody for you to see and then it was Jay Leno. And I was like, oh, shit, I just cooked for Jay Leno. And she was like, I couldn't tell you that before because you just got nervous and the food wouldn't have came out the same. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have. I would have been shaking. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit. So from there, she gave me opportunity after opportunity to work at Coachella. And I met all kinds of celebrities there and started cooking, going to these people's houses. And uh, that's how I got started with the whole celebrity thing. Wow. That's so awesome. And that goes to show, like, I mean, from you um, 
doing well in culinary school and even like after you're graduating, still being humbled enough and not letting your ego get into the way of just like, I'm still in the beginning stages. Like I'm still willing to learn. I know I'm not the greatest, but that's always going to be the goal and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And then looking at every opportunity and doing the most with it, you know, working and cooking, selling hot dogs for that lady it reaped a big, like a big return in your favor at the end. And it goes to show like when you put in that type of hard work and you put in that ambition, like people notice it and then they'll like keep you in mind when great opportunities like come into light. So that's really awesome that through that you were able to, you know, get into like the celebrity um, arena of cooking for people like at Coachella and in their homes and things like that. Did anybody like give you any feedback, positive or negative, when you were cooking for people at uh, Coachella? I actually got a lot of positive feedback, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cleo Thomas. He was Zero in the movie Holes on the, I believe it was on the. Disney oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I love that movie. Yeah, so he he kind of gave me my my first kind of opportunity to you know as, as far as with a with a celebrity he was i made something i made like hash brown waffles and people literally waffles out of hash browns and people never seen that before he heard about it and went nuts and he actually was like man i love your, your work i love what you do i'm going to do something i've never done before because i don't even know you like that i'm gonna let you take over my snapchat my personal snapchat for mm -hmm. 24 hours to gain all my fans. And I was on his Snapchat for 24 hours making all kind of crazy food. I was like, that's my opportunity. And then uh, it, it was like going crazy after that. So I got a shout out to Cleo Thomas for sure for giving me that opportunity. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, good on him too for like taking a chance on you. And then also for you, not letting that chance go to waste. You know, people pr like give opportunities to so many aspiring creatives and just, you know, people in general. And a lot of people don't take those opportunities and like, you know, make the most of it where you're like, all right, I got 24 hours. All right. You think I'm playing? I'm going to be cooking up a store for 24 hours on your Snapchat. I'm going to take advantage of this, you know, and I yeah. think that's something that listeners can take away from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I did read a little bit of your story too, where it said, um, like you got to live and work in Italy, right. And kind of learn some of the chef mastery in Italy. What was that like? And how did that come about? Yeah, I was um I was in um culinary, I was graduating culinary school as well before I actually before I went and worked on the hot dog truck, I got a chance to study abroad and to actually study and go to school out there and cook next to executive chefs in Italy mm. and in Thailand to learn, you know, their cuisine hands on. And you know, Italian food, you know, that was like the founder of culinary. So with cooking next to these guys I learned so much of course in, in Italy the fresh pasta um in Thailand I fell in love with with their cuisine um the even the street food the patsyu the paki mao I learned to speak their language a little bit um so I, I was out there loving every minute of it and going from I'm from Moreno Valley and all my family's from LA and you know those are not the best places in the world um so going from like get the ghetto not having anything literally we had to mm -hmm. sleep at, you know we had times to where we had to sleep underneath our window at a certain time because you know my dad knew gunshots were going to come through the window so going from that crazy time to going to another country I was like man that 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 blew my mind so I was like I, I can't believe somebody like me is here so Oh, I love that. There's just something so unique and special about like traveling and like getting outside of your comfort zone and especially like just leaving your bubble. So many people, I mean, obviously you were fortunate to be able to travel across the world, but some people like don't even have the opportunity to get out of their own city or their town. And it's, it, oh, you have I, so much yeah. growth as an individual when you're able to like step outside your bubble and meet different people and learn different cultures. Yeah, I, I know a hand like hundreds of people that have never left California before. So, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so it, it's crazy. Where I come from, they don't they don't have passports. They don't even know what a passport is. Mm-hmm. 
crazy, man. And everybody that's listening, it's like just that reminder of, you know, just realizing how fortunate you are where you are in your life. We all have our, our pains and our, you know, troubles and whatever, but you know, somebody has it harder than you. And also you probably have way more opportunities and way more things in your life that you can be grateful for. So it's that kind of reminder that you have to take what you got and like, take advantage of that because there's other people that who would die to have those types of opportunities oh yeah my, my dad tell me all the time like man like he he's so proud of me because he's like he of course knew how much trouble i was getting into he's like <laughs> not only not only were you not supposed to be here because of you know people shooting at me all kind of crazy that's how much trouble i was in and he was like not only are you still alive and you're here but you're changing lives as well i i I taught, well, well, before the COVID thing, so I can still say I teach until it comes back, but <laughs> I created a real culinary experience cooking class for the youth, and it's not the same as the home ec. And, the, you know, for that age, they usually open up a book, they read them some recipes, and they make something, you know, super easy and simple, and, and you know, and they don't they're not hands-on. I created the first hands-on youth culinary from the ages five to 16, where we actually made their favorite junk food from scratch, like junk food that they mm. didn't even know they can make from scratch, um, like Pop-Tart. They didn't know you can make a Pop-Tart from scratch. So, you know, with the Pop-Tarts, it's so much bad stuff and so much sugar in it. Um, you don't, some, some things you don't even know what's in it. So what yeah. we did was make up, we made our own pastry and we pureed our own fruits and we actually put real fruit inside of the Pop-Tarts and that changed their whole perspective on that. Um, we, we, we do everything from scratch, Hot Pockets, um, everything. <laughs> so, um, That's that so cool. Yeah, and a lot of kids, you know, I've had kids' parents come up to me in tears, like, my, you know, my kid was in trouble. Now he looks forward to your class. He wants to be a chef. Um, and I also went to the juvenile halls. Um, I spoke to those kids and told them, you know, about my culinary experience and that they can do that too. And that's before I was even where I am now. So I definitely wouldn't go back. Um, but giving back is, is, is my main goal because I, I came from nothing and came from troubled times. So if I can save some lives on the way, I'm definitely going to do that. Mm, I love that. And I love the idea of like taking you know, like typical junk food or the foods that kids eat, you know, not forcing them to try to learn how to cook these like adult type dishes, but like yeah. choosing something that they would be interested in and be really proud of because it's something that they can relate to, something that they enjoy and like, and something they can even like brag to their friends and their family too. Yeah, yeah, they definitely were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. And even like you giving back, I think that's really key um, for our listeners too, is like, as you're on this journey and on this path to, you know, thriving in both your business and life, obviously you're, you're thinking of yourself in mind, but you also have to think about like your why behind the passion and the work that you do. And how can you, you take your success, your success and use that to help other people, um, to uplift them and, you know, bring them to kind of like, where you are today in a sense and show them what's possible. I mean, whether it's doing something like how you, you know, went to the juvenile halls and helped out that way, if you're helping out kids, or even if it's just like mentoring another art student or whatever, like there's so many ways to give back. And I think that's so important that everybody on their journey to success, like keeps in mind, you know, at the forefront. Yeah. You'll be surprised how many people don't and how many, how many times I've gotten crap for you know once my name started building up why are you posting this person that has no followers why are you working with this holding line they don't they're nobody I'm like what are you guys talking about man everybody needs a chance if I mm -hmm. see somebody working hard if I see somebody grinding then let's collab let's connect yeah absolutely I'm curious to know um since obviously you had training here in the United States and then you had training in Italy and Thailand is there like what are some differences you've seen in the like uh, chef world? Like, is there a lot of differences between like the top level executive chefs between here and those two countries or does everyone kind of have the same foundation and thought process? Yeah. If you're, if you're an executive chef that, you know, cares about your craft, 
it is definitely pretty much close. You know, you have the, it's just the different cuisines is really the big difference. Um, but it's just a cool experience learning someone else's um, culture and their cuisine, um, like learning how to make pasta, you know, from scratch through a machine, learning how to make ramen from scratch. I didn't even, <laughs> I've never even seen a video on that. So for me to be there and making, you know, and that's, that's crazy because that's something I grew up with because it was cheap. It was like at the time, like 10 cents a pack or something. Like maybe yeah. cheaper. So with them showing me how to make ramen, I was like, I was mind blown. I was like, we just made ramen. Like, and it doesn't get any fresher than that. So it was like, it's, it's that and then just trying different things. I've tried, you know, been over. I've tried shark. I've tried alligator. I've tried whale. Um, so it's, and it's stuff like that, that growing up, I never even, I only knew soul food. I didn't know anything else. I never had mm -hmm. pho. I never had any other culture's food except for Chinese food from the local Chinese food spot down the street. Um, but yeah. seeing, seeing all this, these crazy foods and trying all this all over the world, I was like, man, this is dope. Like my palate is way different. Um, the way I cook is different. Everything about, that's why I have like with my page, a lot of people are like, man, you just make all this, this crazy stuff this fun stuff but can you cook and then that's where the food network came in because i was like i wanted to be on the food network it's something that was always in my house but i had to prove a point i was like no i can i can really cook i've been the executive chef in five-star restaurants i've been the sous chef in five-star restaurants i really know what i'm doing in the kitchen and i'm not sounding cocky but i'm undefeated i haven't been beat yet um by anybody um, all the competitions I've placed first in culinary school. Um, you know, someone at a job that I started working at a few years back challenged me to, I was a new guy. It was like, man, you can't cook, man. But like, I'm the mac and cheese master, something they said. And it was like, Let, I'm gonna invite all my friends over and I'm gonna beat you in this mac and cheese competition in front of everybody just to show that you're not that good. And what I do, I destroyed them in front of his whole family. <laughs> so it's just like, um, and shout out to him, we're actually friends now, but at the time, you know, being called out, people test me all the time in the kitchen, like, you're a hipster dude coming in with ripped jeans on and piercing, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that, man. Let, let's do it. That's funny. So how did you actually get like on the Food Network? What is that process like? Did you, why did you choose the show that you got on? Um, like that's always a dream for people I'm assuming is to get on the food network so you can have that credibility so how did you even have that happen um, actually they reached out to me um, on Instagram really uh, right, yeah right after I started building my name after the Shea Room posted me um, oh, literally cool. the, the Shea Room posted um, I made it I'm one of the first to make a donut glazed wing with sprinkles on it um, some people try the donut <laughs> wing uh, and it wasn't the same, but I put sprinkles on the wing and the shade room saw it somehow. I don't know how, I don't know if people kept tagging them, you know, some people like shade room, shade room, you see this. And um, they reached out to me and posted it. And I went from like 3000 followers to like close to 10,000 in 48 hours. And it was just blowing up like crazy. Um, so what, and then like people just started hitting me up back to back. And then I look at my messages and someone from the Food Network messaged me. They're like, we have a, a, a dope opportunity for you, or they didn't say dope, but we have a cool opportunity for you <laughs> um, to be on a new cooking show. It's a grocery, it's like a grocery game show. And we see all your crazy food and your, your recipes and the stuff you do are, are, are random. And that's what the show's about, grabbing random ingredients. Um, and it's blind, you don't know what's in the cart. So like, say for example, the first round, they tell you to make noodles and you buy this random person uh, is their cart. And by the way, I got way more respect for the Food Network now because I thought stuff was staged. Everything is real, 100%. They don't let you have extra time. They don't do any of that. And these customers are real. Like it was real people that had no idea what was going on. So um, they come out to the grocery store, they have paper bags and you don't know what's in their cart. And you have to buy their cart from them and hope that you can make a new dish. <laughs> um so it, yeah so it was random so they were like they reached out to me and they were like we don't really reach out to people like that but we found that this would be a perfect opportunity for you and uh, wow you know, that's that's pretty cool and I was gonna ask you like what what is that process 
like um like being on the show that people like see the finished product obviously but is there like what is like the behind the scenes of filming a show on the food network um the behind the scenes is um like six o'clock in the morning like so when we got there um first of all when i did go like i had like the worst luck on my way it was filmed in arizona in gilbert arizona um and i my flight got canceled and when oh. they don't have they don't have a backup chef they have four chefs and you need all four chefs to make the show they didn't have a backup ready to go or anything because you know it's people from all over flying there um, it was actually one chef that was already that was the only one that was actually from arizona everybody else flew in um so my flight got canceled and i had to be there that night they they want you to be there the day before to get your rest you know and be there so you know you don't want to go the day that you're filming um mm -hmm. so i was i was freaking out and then you know by the time i ran downstairs to try to figure out something by the time i got there it was like no somebody already booked your flight a new one for you so the food network knew before me that my flight was already canceled like i don't, I don't know how that happened by the time I was downstairs, they already knew. So they're like, you got to run upstairs. Your flight is about to take off. I was like, oh, shit. So I'm just running through the damn airport. People looking at me crazy. And then when I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm filming with the Food Network, people are like, oh, sh go, go. Everybody helping me out. And I was like, go, let them go. And I was like, oh, shit, this is crazy. All I said was I was filming with the Food Network, and everybody's making a path for me. And uh, it, was, it was crazy. Um, and then when you get there, you know, you're filming all day. Like, mm. you're starting at, like, it's starting at like five in the morning, six in the morning. You know, Arizona, January is when we filmed. It was cold. I've never been to Arizona. Like, it's freezing out here. And um, people, you know, aren't really there. So the first round, it's like nobody's really going in a grocery store. So you have to try to buy whoever's basket is going to come out because there's not really a lot of people. And then, you know, as the day go on, a lot of people start gathering around um, and it's, it gets packed. Then you have an audience looking at you. So, um, and then all the lights, cameras, like, it's, it's crazy. It has to be, you can be the, one of the best chefs in the world, but when you get in front of the camera, I know people that have been on shows and they said they forgot to, how to hold a knife and they've been cooking for 15 years. They was like, I got so <laughs> nervous that I didn't know how to hold my knife right. And I was like, oh shit. Um, and that's, that's it, it's, it's crazy, but it's a, it's a dope experience. I'll definitely be on a lot more shows for sure. That's so cool. Was there something um, that you experienced or learned that may be surprising to the people that are listening right now? Um, I don't know. I was myself the whole time. Um, it was crazy because me and all the other chefs were friends. They said they never seen people compete against each other that were so nice to each other. We all just had a bond that was so mm -hmm. dope. Um, and, you know, a few of the chefs, two of the chefs has been on several shows. So, you know, that was kind of getting me and the others, the, that was a female. She was a little bit younger than me. We were like the underdogs because these two have already been on shows. They, they've done this. It was nothing to them. And, uh, everybody, everybody, including her, they had all their knife sets. So a knife, a chef knife set, you know, is pretty much everything. You have your paring knife, you have your filet knife, you have your butcher knife, you have everything in there. The only thing I brought with me was a chef knife, one knife, and everybody was like, you're crazy. <laughs> everybody, it was like, even the people at the show, the producer, they was like, I've never seen anyone come to a competition with one knife. Hey, Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. I was like, yeah, this is all I need. It's Japanese style knife, a laser. It has a sharp tip. Uh, if I wanted to fillet anything, it's sharp, brand new. Um, I was like, this is all I need. And they looked at me crazy. Uh, and then I ended up winning the show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so crazy. And congrats on winning. Like, that's pretty dope to have that under your belt. You oh, did yeah. Say now you I have haven't. To. Yeah, I, it was crazy because I told my friends, they all knew, like, I haven't been beat in a competition yet. Yeah. So when I'm on the Food Network, a, a few of them like, up, oh, this is it. This is your time to lose. Like, and they were just joking <laughs> around. 
And I was like, and I was like thinking in my head, yeah, it's four chefs and it's not the Food Network selection, how they select people is not easy. You know, they go through your background. They want to make sure you really been in this. It's not, you can't, you know, have been in one restaurant. You have to have, you have to show, like your resume has to be out of this world to even be on the Food Network. So like with that being said, these chefs were amazing. They own restaurants. They've, they've done stuff before, you know, a lot of stuff. They're way older than me too. So I was like, man, this is going to be a tough one. Um, and then, you know, I made the show, um, you know, a, a little bit fun. Like the show's already a fun show, but I, I had a dance battle. I was actually the first person in Food Network history to have a dance battle on the Food Network in general. Uh, so I created that. <laughs> uh, me and another chef, we had a dance battle on there. Um, I got a lot of hype from what I was wearing. I had the fedora on and I like some food socks. Um, and then the first round, it was a noodle round. I was the only chef that did not actually get noodles in my cart. Everyone else got noodles in their oh, cart. Oh, man. And, us, and the first round, you can buy as many baskets as you want, but you only have $500 to go three rounds if you make it three rounds. I spent half of that on the first round trying to get noodles, and I bought two people's carts. I spent like two forty. dollars um, and I still didn't have any noodles, uh, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're done." And um, <laughs> I looked over. I looked over. I saw a zucchini, uh, and then I saw a spiralizer, and I was like, "Yep, there it is, right there." I'm about to make zoodles, zucchini. There noodles. you go. And I and I passed around with that one. Dang, that's crazy. I was gonna say like you probably had to create some noodles out of whatever you had. <laughs> they maybe weren't yeah. like regular pasta noodles, but they were noodles. They looked like noodles. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then the flavor like Bobby Flay having Bobby Flay in front of you, everybody knows Bobby Flay. Be Bobby Flay shows, you know, uh, one of the the most popular chefs on the Food Network. Like even if yeah. you don't know food, you know who Bobby Flay is. Um, mm -hmm. So for him to for him to try my food and say it's good, and um, you know the noodles, he said it had more texture than he thought because usually people that make zoodles is super mushy. Um, but I know what I'm doing. And it was crazy because I've never made zoodles in my life. That was my first time. Oh. Uh, and I was like, oh, dang. Okay, I know. I, I've seen it before. I know how to use spiralizer. Uh, so I went for it. And uh, he was like, man, you, you went just for having the best fedora. And then when he said that, my whole DM was blowing up. Oh, my God, Bobby Flay said. Oh, and then he said, um, I, Alex went and Shelly, the host of the show, was like, Stephen has everyone calling him trendy. And then Bobby Flay was like, yeah, he wants for best fedora. And then I'm going to call him Trendy too. And when he said that, I, I went back on my Instagram like after the show aired. And it was hundreds of messages. Like, oh, my God, Bobby Flay called you Trendy. Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> wow. What a cool, like, experience. And especially to have somebody like Bobby Flay there to obviously give you multiple compliments. And then for you to win the show and all of that that's pretty awesome congrats on that getting that opportunity and just basically blowing it out the park i appreciate it. he didn't like my he didn't like the strawberries on the dessert round by the way but everything else was pretty much uh he he, he is he was like i don't know because he loves peanut butter which i got lucky on my dessert and um he was like you put peanut butter in it. i love peanut butter but i don't like these strawberries i was like uh-oh um so it was, it was pretty dope because the girl that I went against she is a mastermind in 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 baking and I I don't really like to bake I know how because I went to culinary school but I don't do it just for fun so mm -hmm. the first round the first round I thought I was done and then I overcame that and then the third round I was like oh dang because they, they tell you what you're going to make right then and there they don't tell you before the show they don't give you a heads up everything's right there on the spot so we're waiting for them to tell us and they're like dessert is a third round I'm like, oh shit um and she's like yeah i got this i'm the cheesecake queen i was like uh oh and then uh <laughs> I, I, I ended up beating her too so i was like hey i must have some, some kind of skills because the only round i was confident in was a second round because it was ballpark bites and it was deep fried stuff and crazy stuff and that's what mm -hmm. i'm about so they saw how, hy how hyped i got about that i was like oh ballpark bites deep fried i saw some ground italian sausage and string cheese I actually put the string cheese inside the Italian sausage, um, put a skewer in there and bread it up and made corn dogs. And they were like, what, what the fuck? Like, they were shocked. <laughs> I was like, did you just make a corn dog? Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's, it shows that you've been pretty resourceful um, throughout your journey, just sharing those little bits and pieces of, you know, those challenges that you had to overcome in life, but also under pressure throughout the contest, um, which kind of leads me to my next question, where obviously we're in like, we've been in these crazy times, pretty much all of 2020 COVID has pretty much, you know, taken away a lot of things from us um, and has made it hard for a lot of businesses um, to thrive, especially creative businesses. So I'm curious to know um, what type of pivot, if any, you had to do during this time um, and how that has been for you. Because I know you do cook and serve out of your home. People um, come up and pick up food from you or you deliver it and stuff. Was that something you're always doing or is that part of like a pivot due to COVID? No, no, it was crazy because I own a catering company. Um, I've owned it for a few. That was what I did after the whole hot dog thing. Um, I sat mm. down with her and I told her, hey, because um, she also had a catering company too. That's why I started, you know, cooking for Jay Leno and all that stuff. So I got out of the hot dogs and I learned everything there was to know about catering. So I sat down with her and I was like, you know what? I want to do my own catering one day. She was like, go for it. Like, I'm not holding you back. And most people want you to stay with them. And she loved me. She didn't want me to go, but I started my own catering company. And, you know, I, I was working for six, seven months doing events for free, you know, just breaking even just to get my name out there, just to prove I can do this. Mm. Um, so I was doing that. And, you know, years passed. I'm actually collaborating with golf courses and, and things like that, partnering with them and actually making really good money um, doing catering weddings every single weekend. Like we had, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, wedding for a while, for months. It was just crazy. Three, 400 people weddings. It was going wow. great, loving it. And then COVID hit and they postponed a thousand weddings. And when you first hear about it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, when you first hear about it, it's like postpone. Okay, we can still do it. Postpone means it's never going to happen. So we lost a thousand weddings and the amount of money we charged for a wedding times a thousand it was heartbreaking for everybody um yeah like yeah it was it was it, it hit us hard like to where people are stressed out I was wondering you know what was what was going to happen to my staff and it, it was crazy it was definitely one of the hardest times in my career um and I couldn't say that people that know me know I don't sit back and not do nothing and give up I know chefs that actually closed down their places and gave up because of COVID-19 like they're not chefs anymore they're actually mm. starting trucking businesses and other things. I mean, yeah. they love to be in the kitchen. Um, so I've seen it hit. It hit the culinary industry. It hit every industry hard. And I know people from a lot of different industries, but I can really say that it hit the culinary industry and the restaurant whole industry one of the hardest. Um, restaurants and stuff are going to be the last to go back to normal. Um, so with that, I saw, I don't know how they reached out to me, Food Gnome. They reached out to me and they told me about it. And I was like, hey, that's a, that's a dope opportunity, you know, to make some money um, right now once all this stuff, until this stuff dies down a little bit. So they reached out to me and with my catering, I also owned a food truck and I did, you know, a lot of the fairs and stuff as well um, myself. And I sold chicken wings. I was known for that. I was on the Steve Harvey show for chicken wings um, two hmm. years ago. Um, for stuffing mac and cheese inside of a chicken wing, one of the first to do that. Um, oh, I saw so, that. I remember yeah. seeing that. That was you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I stuffed. I did that, and some other people did it too. Um, and I, they did it. I don't know if they did it the same way as me, or better than me, or because I know theirs. I heard that theirs was amazing as well. But um, a lot of stuff I did, I, I've done first, and you know, because I do my research on it. Um, but I, I had a whole menu and I took my whole entire menu and took it to Food Gnome. And I was like, all right, let me just try this. Um, you know, it's doing pretty good. Um, but also still do my one-on-one, -on -one, you know, my private catering to where it's only a, a small amount of people. Um, so I'm still doing that. I'm still doing a whole lot of stuff. I'm working on TV shows right now. I wish I could say which ones, but not yet. But I'm working on TV shows. Uh, now I have an agent. Um, a lot has changed. Um, I'm, I'm grinding hard and it's dope that people are seeing that because every time I talk to someone, they, they say, I see how hard you're working. Um, shout out to Fatboy. Um, he's a good friend of mine now. Fatboy SSE. 
uh, six million followers on Instagram. He's he's somebody that's um, you know close to me right now. Um, the real Donny Savage, another social media influencer, a real good friend of mine. Um, my idol, my mentor, my everything is uh, Chef Rush. Um, he's the chef of the White House for 21 years. He cooked for Bush, wow. Obama, and Trump. He's been around the world. He's there's no chef higher. And he's my now my mentor, and I talk to him all the time. Uh, went to his house. We 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 connect every day. Anything I need, um, he's there to you know to support. So it's dope. Everything's dope right now. Oh, that's awesome. I love how like everything's kind of following follow or falling sorry into place for you right now with you know hearing your journey and seeing how things are like really starting to speed up and be more in motion especially during a time like this where things like have completely slowed down for some people but I know uh it's actually sped up a lot of things for some people too and it seems like that's almost been the case for you as well um I did mean to ask earlier how long have you been a chef or in the business like how old are you um, or how long ago were you in college to like where you are now? I'm 30 years old and I went to, I graduated culinary school about eight and a half, nine years ago. Um, and like I said, it's crazy because I was cooking on a hot dog truck for five years before I really yeah. started. And then I got into restaurants. So an actual chef, I've only been an actual chef for like two and a half, three years, like a chef, chef. Um, to where I got my name as a sous chef, as an executive chef. Um, so yeah, people mm, people think no. I've been cooking for a long, long time. I'm like, nah, I've just been grinding. Like cooking every day um, for nine years will make it seem like you've been cooking for 30 years if you're really on the grind every day. Yeah, and I, I really wanted to make sure I asked that because it's so easy to compare where you are now to someone's like winning season, you know, that they're in right now when it's like, you got to take a look at how long they've been in the game, how long they've been, it took to get them to where they are right now and see where you, like how long you've been in the game for what you're doing. And there's like, everybody's on their own journey. And just to hear, you know, this is a nine year process. All the stuff that you've been yeah. sharing with us is over nine years. This doesn't happen like overnight. So it really proves, you know, if you keep, focused and you keep putting the the hustle and grind in like good things are bound to happen for you yeah it takes time like it's so many nights I wanted to give up to where I wasn't getting booked for stuff to where I, you know my Instagram followers wasn't going up to where a lot of stuff I was like man so many nights to where I was like man maybe I should go work at a bank maybe I should have a normal life and for those that think being an entrepreneur is the easy way out it is definitely <laughs> nothing like nothing like that because before before i was an entrepreneur and a business owner i was like man being that you can work when you want you can take days off no you can't you can't take days off you can't work when you want you have to work non-stop um you know shout out to everybody that have nine to fives you know some people love that but it's not for everybody and it wasn't for me um i couldn't work for somebody else and being a black chef in the industry, um, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of racism, a lot of stuff, and um, you know, you know, you're a few minutes late and you get yelled at and all this. I couldn't do that. I had to be my mm -hmm. own boss, and I had to create to where when you know, I was like, once I open up a catering restaurant and once I open up a business, I'm going to treat people different, and I treat the people that work for me just like you know I would want to be treated. So that's why they love me. That's why they stuck around. I have uh, one girl that stuck around since day one. Um, shout out to Ruby. She was there when I wasn't even making no money. And I told her, like, I'm not going to be making money, so I won't be able to pay you. But one day it'll pay off. And now it's, it's paid off and it's still paying off. Mm, I love that. And I love you sharing um, those stories. And even, you know, that person that's kind of been your ride or die in the, the food business, you know, them believing in you and even that could be somebody listening right now where you might have this opportunity you might not be rewarded right away but if you stick to it there's that you know possibility strong possibility that it could still work out for you in the end um being there for somebody like yourself so that, that's yeah. really cool never um, never, give up, never give up um the one quick story since we were on the, the restaurant thing um people ask me all the time why do you because i've worked for a lot of dope restaurants too why'd you stop 
working for a restaurant, you know, because like I said, entrepreneur life is hard. Going to work, clocking in and clocking out and coming home is not, you know, of course you have those stressful days at work, but it's not the hard, it's, that's not the hard part of life. You're going in, you're, you're stressing while you're at work if you don't love the job, but then you're clocking out, you're going home, you're making money, you don't have to do anything else after you clock out. Like, you don't have to, like me, a, a boss or anything, you have to do the paper, you have to work, then you have to do the paperwork, then you have to pay people, then you have to create the menus, so it never stops. Um, but I love it, I would never change it. But the reason I left the restaurant, I had like my last, like, like I don't know, I, I don't even know how to explain, like I was just over it, at, like, cause I was, I was getting bumped up to a new position and I walk in a restaurant, I'm the only black person in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is no other, so, you know, so I already had like, and people love me, everybody loved me. They were like, man, you're, you're amazing, you're dope. Um, but one chef, I guess he didn't feel the same way. I was getting bumped up and, you know, I came in, you know, it's my big day. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a sous chef now, it, it's going down. And then he's like, hey man, I got something for you, you know, as a congratulations. I'm like, oh man, cool. I walk in the kitchen and he hands me a watermelon. And I'm like, why is he handing me a, I'm like, why is he handing me a watermelon? And then I still, cause I'm still hyped up about me, you know, getting this position, making more money. So I'm like, all right, man, yeah, just set it on the table, whatever. And then I'll keep going. I'm like, thanks. And I keep going. And he's like, no, 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 come back. I have a grape soda for you. And then that's when I paused. I was like, what? And then he was like, no, 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 I got something else for you. Then he pulls out a bag of fried chicken. <gasps> he's like, congrats. He was like, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. He was like, congratulations. And I was such in shock because I worked so hard to get to that point. Oof. And with me being in trouble in the streets, I know me punching them or beating them up <laughs> would only make it worse for me as a black man and a chef. So I just kind of froze up and I didn't know what to do. But before I can do anything, servers of all, we had, we had waitresses and servers from all nationalities, Asian, black, Mexican, white, and they all came in and they literally slapped, every last one of them was slapping the chef, like he was a head chef and they were slapping him, they were cursing him out. And then I was still in shock. I was just sitting there with my eyes like, why? Like, whoa, what's going on right now? They were like whooping his ass. And then they pulled me like, let's go, we're leaving. And the restaurant was super busy that day. They just got rid of their other chef. And I was all, that was what they needed that day. And we left them on a full restaurant, like five servers mm. walked out. And we were out of there, and I never looked back. I didn't have a game plan because I didn't expect to never work in a restaurant again. Um, literally, I had money saved up, and I started a 10 by 10 food booth to where I was killing it at like markets and farmers markets, like making a lot of money. And I was like, oh shit, this is maybe this is what I was supposed to do. And I put in every last dollar I had to where I only had a few hundred dollars left to my name. I put it all in my business. And uh, from there, I just I just blew up over the chicken wing menu, uh, the, the donut wing, the waffle batter, the beer batter. I blew up over that. Like everybody knew me for being at these fairs. Wow, man, you sharing that story just infuriated me. I would have been one of the people in there whooping his ass for real. <laughs> man, um, I, was, I was so shocked. Every, every every time I fight some, every time. Uh, Cause I boxed my whole life. I've been in, you know, fights even on the streets, and I know how to fight. I know, so I'm like, man, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna hurt them, and then what's gonna happen to my career now? So yeah. that's when I knew I changed. I was like, man, I could whoop his ass right now and still walk out. And um, the re- the owners, nothing. They didn't even do nothing about it. They they didn't. So that's why the service, everybody walked out. But that's the day I knew I changed into a man. I was no longer a boy. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Your business is it's gonna hurt after this and, and I'm out of here. So and wow. yeah, I don't, tell, I don't tell a lot of people that story, so now you guys got it. Yeah, like well thanks for <laughs> thanks for being vulnerable and honest and sharing that and like good for you for you know having that level of maturity to be able to hold back that anger especially being someone from the streets like not yeah. like he doesn't know how lucky i'm sure he doesn't know how lucky he is that you yeah. didn't do anything <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying like people don't think before they do stuff and i think it's just like it's i applaud you for you know think like 
thinking about your whole future, like how much, how hard you worked, how you didn't like stoop down to the level, you were the bigger person, you thought about your career, I'm sure you thought about your family, all of that stuff. And, and how crazy it was out of a result of like you getting a promotion, right? He was saying congratulations, but because of that incident, it's like, oh, well, you didn't even get to like see through that, you know, next level of your so-called career. And it was almost like a blessing in disguise, really. Like, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, people told me like, oh yeah, you should put that rest, like friends and stuff, like you should put the restaurant on blast. I'm like, no, I'm not giving them. I'm not giving them a name, like, because I'm growing the name for myself. I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to give them any kind of not, nothing, no kind of publicity or anything. Um, so, yeah, that's a restaurant I'll never go back to. That's, uh, that's some of the things that you have to face, um, you know, as a black chef or maybe even any other chef, but as a black chef that I am, that's what I have to go through. And I've never worked in a restaurant for anybody ever again after that. Wow. Where was this located? This was in Temecula. This was an old town Temecula. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah, this mm. was an old town Temecula. And um and they still after that, you know, they saw that I it's crazy because there was a you know, they they're making so much money. They were a huge there was a they're a restaurant getting, you know, known for themselves. And um I was there when they, you know, a few months after they opened up. I, I created stuff on their menus. I, I was killing it. And um there and that's when they bumped me up they're like man you're killing it right now and then um that's when that happened but they didn't even stop at that like after that they came to one of my first events with all i have was a 10 by 10 with the word trendy chef up there my little menu and they found out on instagram where i was and they saw what i was making i had something bacon wrap mac and cheese which people do online all the time i changed up the recipe and did stuff in their restaurant to where that actual item was selling so I put it on my menu. Mm. I create. I created it that way. I put the nacho cheese inside of it. Most people just bacon wrap just normal mac and cheese. I do a nacho cheese mac and cheese. So they came to, they came to where I was, and they were like, um, "Man, you ain't supposed to have that on the menu. We're gonna make sure you take that item off the menu." I'm like, "Why are y'all so scared, bro? Like, I'm a little ten <laughs> by ten. You have a huge restaurant. Like, what are y'all afraid of?" And I know when they saw the food network show, they were probably throwing up. Dang, man, that's crazy. You're gonna have to tell me what that restaurant uh, was after we end this. End this, I'll make sure I don't go to it when I uh, go up to Temecula. Um, But wow, that's crazy. Thanks for sharing that again. Um, Taking a step in a little bit of a different direction. um, Now that you have like your business and your catering business, I'm interested to know like what does that process look like when someone hires you to do catering? Like and then also, like, do you have a certain way that you price your services? Because I know for a lot of my listeners, they like to learn about, like, the process of how do you even, like, go about, you know, having a catering business? Like, what happens once someone hires you? Like, what do you do? And then also, a lot of creatives have trouble, like, figuring out how to price their services. So can you shed some uh, insight on that? Yeah. How I got started, like I said, I had the food stamp first. I put all my money into that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna save up for another company, and people are like, "Man, that's when people are looking at me like, okay, you're about to, you're about to go in on this this whole venture you got going on." Because um, I just opened that, you know, we were getting so much money. I was like, "I'm not, I'm not the type to go buy gold chains and all these fancy cars." I'm like, "No, I'm opening up another business." Um, and you don't have to have a lot of money to start it. You can start with a couple tables and some chafing dishes. Um, but the first thing you want to do is, of course, get your name. Once you get your name for your company, you want to go and get it registered so you can actually be a legal business. Um, I would definitely advise you do an LLC because if you're if you're doing food, you want to be an LLC because if something happens to where you get someone sick or they sue you, they're not suing you, they're suing your company. If you're a sole proprietor, mm-hmm. they're, su- they're suing you. So they're going after you and they can take stuff, they can, a lot of stuff can happen. Um, it's cool to be a sole proprietor if you're not you know, some, someone's not actually eating something or, you know, like something, someone could get sick. Um, so I definitely advise you to do an LLC. Once you have all that paperwork, all that stuff, definitely don't get greedy and think that your company is popping because I still don't charge people, even after Food Network, people think I charge the arm and the leg. And I'm still, you know, I've charged what I'm worth, of course, but I don't go above and beyond. Um, I definitely like to help people out. If they have a budget, I'll work with it. But of course, you want to have the food that goes with your budget. 
you're not going to have filet mignon and you want to pay a couple hundred dollars. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, but definitely um, start small, do small, like birthday parties, baby shower, something small before you work up into like the big weddings and all that stuff. Um, definitely with pricing, I actually create a custom menu, which a lot of people don't. That's why if you look on my website, you don't see menus because um, you don't see menus on my website because I don't do the same menu twice unless you, you know, unless I tell you about the menu and you wanted it before. So I'm one of the only companies that actually customize the menu per event. Um, so I, I sit there and write it down, whatever you want, I can create it. If you want to mix and match Mexican with Italian, I do that. Um, but that's definitely something that you should do um, right away. You can have a couple of set menus and just have the people order from there. That way you have your set prices. But I also go off of location. I go off of the amount of people. Um, so it's a lot that goes into catering and um, getting events and everything. But definitely social media is everything right now. Um, get a dope logo, promote on social media, and uh, definitely don't don't worry about making thousands of dollars right away because you're new. Um, even though if you if you don't want to break even, be okay with making just a couple hundred dollars an event. Don't worry about I'm going to make thousands and thousands because I literally I broke even for six months straight. I didn't make a dollar. Uh, just to get my mm-hmm. name out there. Um, but I know during this time, especially this time, everybody has to feed their family. So if you just get a bunch of small events and, you know, you're only making a couple hundred, it'll add up. And the, the word will spread that, you know, your food is good, that your prices is good, and then you'll start making that money that you want. Mm, that's really good insight. Um, I know you mentioned, obviously, you had employees and you even said you have like an agent now. So I was curious to know, what is like your team look like currently? Do you still have um, employees that work for you? Do you have an assistant? Um, what is it like having an agent? What is their like? like what are these people's people's roles? Yeah, I have an assistant. Um, really, just an assistant and a cashier um, because that's all I need. Because right now I have a I, I have a hard time letting someone control my menu, like actually cooking off of my menu unless I train you to do it the perfect way that I'm doing it, which of course, mm-hmm. later on down the line, I'm going to have to do that because I plan on opening restaurants um, and I can't be everywhere at once. But right now, it's just a small team um, because I, you know, I, I can cook and I can put out 150 to 200 orders an hour by myself on my team, which is us three. Um, and of course, I have a lot of people um, on standby, if I have a huge, huge event, I need to call, you know, a, a team together. Um, I can mm-hmm. do that, but right now it's just me, a cashier, and a server, and that's it. Um, and well, my server slash assistant because he assists me with everything. Um, and then they work on the bookwork, paperwork. My cashier, she works on the paperwork and all the bookings and all that. Um, so that way, I can just cook. Um, so that's why I got the new email book the trendy chef at gmail.com because um you know they kind of look over that and let me know hey you got this event you got this interview you got you got to be here at this time so that helps me out because uh, i, I want to always focus on the cooking once you get so high up in the chef industry and in the culinary industry you stop cooking and you start doing more book work paperwork i don't want that to be me and i should be there already I am there at that level and I'm still not doing just book work and paperwork. I'm doing that and I'm cooking at the same time. Right. How did you get your, um, your agent? How did I get my agent? How did I, cause this is new. I just got my agent after the food network. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause it's going, it's going crazy that Instagram and all that stuff, like DMs and everything that one the show was crazy. Um, so actually it was a dude named Brandon that reached out to me about, um, he does like, he does like, he has like an app to where he puts like, kind of like Food Gnome and he puts chefs on there so people can find like chefs and whatever you do, even if you're not a chef, um, whatever your business is, he'll put you on there. Um, and then he, he started talking and he, every time he hears about a connection, he tells me about it. And then he was telling me, 
uh, about a few agents and um, PRs, which I didn't want to go the PR route because they're just, even when you get started, they charge so much monthly and the manager don't. The manager gets paid when you get paid. Um, but a lot of those people that he linked up, linked me up with, I didn't really, wasn't really feeling them. And then I don't know if it was through him or I, they, I saw it in my, my email and I saw an agent and I thought it was going to be the same because at that point I talked to several agents and I wasn't interested. I was like, you guys are not what I want. Um, but she, when I talked to her, she was like talking about the giving back thing to where that's what I do. She was talking about me being myself um, and everything was just perfect with this, with this agent. So I signed the deal. I went with her. Um, now she's working on commercials for me. And, and all kind of bookings and the, the rest of history. That's awesome. Congrats on that. And I think it's good to um, note, like, you didn't just go for, like, the first one. You know, you want to vet out the people that are working for you, especially agencies, and f- finding the person that really aligns with you and your values. So good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say? It's been a long journey. <laughs> Oh, I know. I can tell. I mean, all the stuff that you've been uh, sharing, you've had a pretty long, adventurous and exciting uh, journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're coming close to the end of our interview. I just have a few more questions to ask you. Um, my next one is, how do you think that we as a creative community can annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? This is like a question I ask all my guests because we as creatives, um, there's this like, you know, thought process and status quo that we're all starving artists. So curious to know how you think that we as a creative community can annihilate that status quo. As a starving artist, um, I definitely like, I like that word because I believe I am a starving artist where, um, you know, we want to put more on the table. We want to, we want to do more. Um, like I said, it's days to where you don't make nothing to where you um, have sleepless nights. I'm sure you probably had a couple of those to where, you mm-hmm. know, we can't, we can't sleep. We always, our mind is always running on the next project. Um, and we're always, like I said, I wanted to give up several times but you just have to keep going, man. You just got to know that someone else is doing worse than you. Um, it's, you see people giving up and you got to you gotta say to yourself, what is giving up going to do for anybody? Is it going to do, is it going to benefit you? Is it going to benefit your family? Um, is it going to benefit anyone? Um, so I just say, never give up, keep going. Um, and you know, have rough nights, you know, sleepless nights, tears, blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, mm-hmm. if, if you, if, if you don't, then you're, you're not doing something right. If you're, if you're a creator, if you're an artist, and it's just easy for you, no stress at all, then something's not working out. Like that's that's not the one that'll work for you. So if you already got to, even if you get to the point to where you're going to be at, there's celebrities and millionaires that are still stressed out. So it's always going to be that. So you can't think that anything's mm-hmm. going to go perfect for you. Mm, that's really good I love that and then kind of in relation to that is there any last bit of parting tips or advice that you want to give to the gangstar listener that may be aspiring to be someone like you in the chef cooking culinary industry yeah be yourself don't let anyone um, a lot of people change um, you know once they start getting a name once they start getting some followers or or anything um, you're not going to get far if you're not yourself. Don't try to be like anyone else. Um, I'm still trendy chef, aka the weirdo chef. I'm always do weird food. Um, you know, people. You don't have to always prove a point. It might take that time to where you have to prove that you're the best at what you do. Like I feel like that's what I had to do with the Food Network and when that show and show them this is more than just the crazy food. I can really do this. Um, so never give up. Keep going for your dreams and uh, keep working. Because this time of COVID was crazy because this was one of the best years as far as my career, but then one of the worst years we've had with the riots, with the COVID. And, mm-hmm. you know, any other person that wins the Food Network and, and, and has an agent and does all this, you're going flying out here doing this interview, doing this photo shoot. I'm grinding this hard and I have haven't been able to do and experience all of that yet because of COVID. So I'm doing all this amazing stuff <laughs> and building my name, but I'm not like the other chefs that's flying out and 
going here and doing there like I was supposed to do. I talked to another chef that won a Food Network show. He's like, yeah, they had me flying out to, you know, New York for this interview and this magazine and all that's on pause. And, you know, some people still, yeah. you know, get, get frustrated. I was just like, why is this the year that I'm coming up that COVID? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'll just keep building. I'm, I'm going to keep building and working even more hard because this is, this time that we're in is not going to last forever. And when, Right now is the best time to get creative. Right now is the best time to open a new business and start anything because 2021, I'm still, I'm still saying it and putting that positive vibe out there that that's going to be our year. This year was a year to get your mind right, to spend time with your family, to create, to do things that you've never done. And 2021 is the time to hit it hard. Mm, that's really really good and I know it's funny because everybody was like it's 2020 this was supposed to be the year man but no nah, 2020 said oh no this is not the year to go out and explore and do things but this is the year to you know self-center and reflect and grow and spend time with your family and loved ones and you know uh pivot in your businesses and all of that so I definitely feel you on you know this is this is a year to do all of that. And next year you got to come strong when things start to get back to whatever the new normal is. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I said, definitely shout out to um, Food Ease, Brandon from Food Ease. Um, he helped me out a lot with a lot of different things that I got going on. Uh, shout out to Chef Rush, Chef Rush, my mentor. People that don't know who he is, Buffett chef in the world, chef of the White House, does 2,222 push-ups a day, Monday through Friday. Um, what? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 he does. If you go on his Instagram, he does 2,222 push-ups every single day, Monday through Friday. I think he does it five times a week. Um, I don't even do that. I don't even do that in a month. Uh, <laughs> so I told him I'll do 222 push-ups uh, in a day, and he started laughing. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody who's helped me out, who's believed in me, all my people that are following me, that started following me when I only had 100 followers. Now I'm about to be reaching 13,000 and uh, hopefully get that blue check soon. Woo, woo. I love it. I love it. Is there anything that's coming up um, that's next for you that our listeners can look forward to seeing? Or is it kind of like under the ropes right now? It's under, it's under the ropes, but it's a lot of big things, things that uh, I've always dreamed of, actually, that I'm actually working on now, like dream come true kind of thing. And uh, yeah, people see that real, real soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving your time and sharing your journey and even being vulnerable and honest and sharing a short stories that you haven't uh, shared with anybody before. I really appreciate that. I know the listeners are really appreciative of that as well. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDF. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.